Hello, Rasa. Hi, Dad. How are you today? I'm doing a wonderful, amazing, superb, and fantastic. Wow, that's so much good stuff. It's like you're a magician pulling happiness out of a hat. Are you ready to、uh-huh. know everything? I am ready to know everything. Let's do it. Today, I want to talk to you about what to do if someone you care about loses someone they care about. Wow, something sad and very deep. I'd like to know more. Well, this has happened to me in my life. And I know it's happened to you and to friends of yours, and I know it will happen again to all of us and to everyone else because loss is part of life. And yet, I found that people react in two almost opposite directions. Oh, tell me. When I've lost someone I cared about, some people, when they find out, leave me alone and never mention it. And other people, including some people I don't even really know very well. When they hear about it, they reach out to me and they ask me if I want to go on walks or if I want to talk about it, and they really come into my life in a way that's unexpected. And I want to say that both of these reactions make sense to me. There's a logic to both of them. You know, maybe if someone is really sad, you shouldn't ask them about it. It would just bring it back up to them and make them feel bad all over again. And it's awkward to do that. So I get that. I've thought that way, and I've acted that way myself. And I guess I just need to tell you that that just happens to be wrong. <gasps> if someone is in a tough situation, if they're really struggling, especially if they've lost someone they love, you should talk to them, ask them about it, and be there, however they might need you to be. Giving them space and not talking to them is just not the right answer, unless. It's what they ask you. Oh yeah, that can happen too. I know that because I've been the person who lost someone, so I know that I was sad anyway, and I really actually wanted people to be there for me. I wanted them to talk to me, whether I knew I wanted them or not. <laughs> so, when you see someone struggling and down. Especially when they've lost someone they love, reach out to them and say, "I'm sorry you're hurting. Would you like to take a walk? Or hey, can I have you over? Want to get some food together? Or can we meet for coffee if they're grownups? Or hot cocoa with marshmallows? <laughs> Much better if they're a kid. And just say, 'I know you're hurting, and that's okay. I want to be here with you, however I can.'" Can you tell me how you're feeling? And just give them space to respond however they want. Wow, sounds really wise, true, and really helpful. But what if they don't want to talk to you? It's true. They might push back. They might say, "Nah, I don't want to talk about it," or "Leave me alone." And if they do, that's fine. They've then made that choice. And maybe that's embarrassing to you, and that's fine, because you're just a little embarrassed for a few seconds. And meanwhile, they're dealing with something a lot bigger. But for me, you know, in twenty, thirty, forty, fifty times, seeing this happen for other people and myself, and just trying to be there to reach out to them in a really basic way 
in a really simple way, I have found that almost everyone, almost every time, 49 out of 50, is grateful for the chance to be welcomed and to be supported and to talk and to just share stories, whatever those stories are. Yeah. Even if they haven't lost someone, even if they're just down, it always feels good to reach out, say, hey, want to come over? Hey, you want to go and get milkshakes with me and my friends? Hey, you want to skateboard around the block? And the nice thing about being there for people, other than just being nice, is then when you're sad and you're feeling down, they're there for you. ready for today's poem? I am ready. What is it? It's called The Promise by Jane Hirschfield. Stay, I said, to the cut flowers. They bowed their heads lower. Stay, I said to the spider, who fled. Stay, leaf. It reddened, embarrassed for me and itself. Stay, I said to my body. It sat as a dog does, obedient for a moment soon starting to tremble. Stay to the earth of riverine valley meadows, of fossiled escarpments, of limestone and sandstone. It looked back with a changing expression in silence. Stay, I said to my loves. Each answered, always. Cool. That's an amazing poem. Can I read it? Please. The Promise by Jane Hirschfield. Stay, I said to the cup flowers. They bowed their heads lower. Stay, I said to the spider, who fled. Stay, leaf. It reddened, embarrassed for me and itself. Say, I said to my body, it sat as a dog does, obedient for a moment, soon starting to tremble. Stay to the earth of river, rhine, valley, meadows, of fossil escarpments, of limestone and sandstone. It looked back with a changing expression in silence. Stay, I said to my loves. Each answered, always. This is a funny poem. And... It's a sweet poem, and maybe it's even a sad poem. What is she saying one, two, three, four, five, six times in this poem? Stay. And who does she say it to, though? Or what? She says it to leaves, to spiders, to flowers, to the meadows. To her body and Uh, to her loves, right? Yeah. And do they? Well, the spider doesn't. The leaf doesn't. Her body doesn't, the earth doesn't, the meadows don't, the limestone and sandstone don't, but her loves do. Or at least they say. Always. What does it mean to say stay? Well, it means to ask them not to move, to stay put. Yeah, I think it also might mean, in this case, to not change. I like things just the way they are. Don't change. Stay. (laughs) But what's hard about that? 
things are always changing. Even our body can't stay still for very long. Even if it stayed still. It will have to breathe. It'll have to your, it'll change. Your hair will grow. Your stomach will grumble, right? Yeah. You'll have to go to the bathroom at some point. Your nose will twitch. Yeah. The exception she experiences, though, is maybe her loves. Yeah. But I think in that case, they're not necessarily staying put. They're not necessarily not changing. They're staying in relationship with her. Yeah. Like, I have known you for 10 years. You have changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I used to be a teeny, teeny baby. But I have loved you this whole time. Hmm. As soon as I knew who you were, more than big person feeds me. <laughs> then I loved you. So, in some ways, our loves don't stay. They change. But the love that we have between them? Stay the same. Hmm. And the title of this poem is? The Promise. So, I promise? I'll love you forever. I promise I'll love you forever, too. And I hope you have a lot of fun changing along the way. You too. Last segment of the show. Do you have a vexing question for me? Yes, I do. My vexing question is from a listener named Eli. And what he wants to know is, why does it get colder when you go on top of a mountain, even though you're closer to the sun? Ooh, good question. I think I know the answer, but let me firm up my science and I will get back to you and Eli soon. Okay. I'm back and I've got the answer to Eli's vexing question. First things first, the sun and the earth are really far apart. 490 billion feet. The tallest mountain in the world is only about 30,000 feet. So climbing doesn't change how far you are from the sun. It's like standing on a sidewalk, staring up at the top of a skyscraper, and then going up on tiptoes or putting a pebble under your foot to try to get closer. You're really not closer at all. (laughs) The reason it gets colder at higher altitudes is there's less air pressure nitrogen, oxygen, and other molecules pushing down on you. And all gases, air included, get cooler when their pressure decreases. In fact, I found a really fun blog post that compared our atmosphere to a stack of pancakes. Pancakes near the bottom have a lot of pressure on them. They're squished and squeezed, hot and flat. But the ones near the top have very little pressure on them. They're fluffy and light easy to pick off, and free to cool down faster. So, the higher you go up a mountain, the colder the pancakes of air around you. (laughs) And you're still not even 0.00001% of the way to the sun. (laughs) Wow. Sounds like we need a pretty big ladder. (laughs) You Must Know Everything is produced by me, Jeremy Smith, and her, Rasa Smith, with awesome music by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, 
Android, Spotify, or however you like to listen and hear dozens of previous episodes for free. Please rate, review, and share the show with friends. And please join us next time for everything you need to know.